Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. You've made the best decision you could possibly make by tuning your ear to the Word of God. I would love to invite you to stay updated with us on Facebook and YouTube. You can find us at Revival House Church. Father, bless this person and let the seed of the Word multiply 30, 60, and 100 times over in Jesus' name. Hey, we didn't get to play it last Sunday. Did I end up showing you guys the pictures of the kids last Sunday? Did you guys see that? Or was it in prayer? Or It was in prayer, not during the service, right? Go ahead and throw up those photos for those that weren't in prayer. This is what I was trying to show you before our, uh, we had to pray for our media team to get delivered of meth addiction. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I get it. Sometimes, you know, stuff is slow. But anyways, this is just awesome. Amaris got up. And gave a message on being filled with the Holy Ghost, laying, on, laying hands on kids. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. I know it's just a little thing, but it, it's just encouraging. It, hopefully that encourages you that has kids that your kids aren't just out there learning about veggie tales and, you know, cucumber Sally, but they're, they're getting touched by the, the fire and presence. Even at the age, how old is Amaris? 12 years old. I mean, getting touched not only to receive it, but to the point where, hey, I actually, I think Reagan, flowing in the Holy Ghost, had something prepared and said, you know, I feel to give a message on being baptized in the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, and Amaris stood up and said, I actually have an entire message prepared to, for that. She said, come on up and share. And so she shared, and kids came forward, got hands laid on them. Praise God. That's our job. The Bible says that we are to train you up, train up the saints for the work of the ministry. Amen. So we should have people that are getting trained up to do what Jesus did. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. I want to give you guys a studio update. This is amazing. So can we, can we show the photos if you haven't got a chance to see just what this is looking like? So this is back there. We're ripping this out, and, and I'll share some of the testimony behind this. But let me tell the story. You can leave the photos up. So, you know, originally, we, the way that this all started was Christmas Day, we came in here, and my office falling apart, some pipe had busted back in, in a back room, and, and so, essentially, you know, we had insurance on the building and what, but uh, uh, whatnot, essentially, we were just going to go in and totally just put new sheetrock and fix up this little space that had got destroyed, that's what this had started with, and I was sharing this during prayer, uh, this afternoon. But, you know, who's been watching the broadcast, the daily broadcast that we've been doing? Hallelujah. I got some testimonies to share with that, too, how that's been touching people and our vision moving forward with that. But, um, you know, we started this daily broadcast, and if you've ever been here during the day, we have this giant prop wall. Who's seen that prop wall? It's like, if you haven't, it's a giant piece of wood, a giant piece of plywood, a couple pieces. I mean, that sucker is huge. It slides around on these sleds. If you see, like, where is that? We literally put this giant prop wall up. We move those back chairs forward, put this giant prop wall up, and our whole rig of what you watch on the online um, broadcast is literally right there in the sanctuary. And so, anyways, you know, our media team, like, they started, stuff started getting broke all the time, and, and it was just like little things like that. And what's going on with all this stuff? They're like, well, Pastor John, you know, 
That's what happens when you're move, constantly moving stuff and you're having to move these cords here and move this camera there and move stuff around. And they kept pushing me saying, we need to build a broadcasting studio. If we're going to do this, we need to build a broadcasting studio. And I was smart enough, right? I know enough about the Bible to not speak against that. So I wasn't stupid enough to say, no, we can't do that. That's too much money. I never said that. I might have thought it in my head, but I never said it out of my mouth. Amen. I would always say, that's a great idea, but guys, like, there's lots of stuff that has to happen before we could get to the point. And in my mind, I thought, maybe by 2024, we'll be able to actually do something. We've never really done, like, a building project at this church before. So this is exciting for me. And I know for me and for us, it, this is like, I'll get into some of this, but this is like going to the next level. This is going to open up a lot of other things. Um, and so they're pushing me. We need to do a broadcast studio. And, and so, you know, every day before prayer, because how many of you guys know, you know, I can, I can preach. I can talk. I like to share the word of God. I'll look up and say, oh, my gosh, prayer starts in three minutes. And I'm still sitting at this table with a prop wall. And <laughs> we know all this stuff moved. And so... You know, essentially, they started coming and, and telling me this is what we need to do. We need to get this room rigged up. And, and, um, and so I finally, I'll, I'll kind of share some of these things with you. But the Lord, you know, he's really been speaking to me to get moving. Amen. Get moving. I'll share some of this in the message tonight. But I really stepped out in faith. And so... You know, we had got the, the little bit from the insurance. We're going to fix that room. But now they're coming to me and they're like, look, we need to knock out another wall. We need to add this. We need to add that. And then we thought, well, maybe we can do a broadcasting studio and, and we can just kind of use multiple pieces of the equipment for the same thing. And then it turned out to, no, that's not going to work. We're going to need all new equipment for this thing. And so I'm sitting here and I basically felt the spirit of the Lord tell me this is really a pivotal moment for you. Just believe, step out in faith. And so I told them, I said, you know what? We're doing it in Jesus name. Amen. I'm not waiting on the money to come in. We're going to do it in Jesus name. And, and, and I'll talk about this, about taking ground. And so long story short, go ahead and put those photos back up. You can leave them up until I'm done with this. So if you're looking there, that's basically that back wall is the far side of the church. And so the next photo, that's standing on the other side. So the whole studio, it's probably going to be about 23 foot long. How wide do we know? About 10 foot. So it's a little narrow, but 23 foot long. We're going to have that whole thing. Those walls are going to come down. It's going to be, I mean, it's going to be super nice. We're, we're getting all new equipment for it. It's going to be state of the art. Amen. It's going to be amazing. And so it's just amazing how God showed me something with this. But last Thursday, I was doing the broadcast. And out of my spirit, I just said, this is what we're doing. I gave people an opportunity to sow. And six days, it hasn't even been seven days. I started last Thursday and basically said, this is what it's going to take. First, it was $5,000. And that's what I thought. That day, I was told $5,000. Right? I got a bid. I got our media guys. They said we could get this little equipment. Well, how many of you guys have ever went into a building project before and 5000 turns into something else real quick? 
So then they came back to me, no, not 5,000. It's going to be about 6,000. And then 6,000 turned into about $7,500. Praise God. And so I think by Friday, you know, we had said, and you got to understand this too. We don't even do broadcasting on Saturday and we just do normal church services on Sunday. And so we had Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, today. And so long story short, in six days, we needed $7,500. And I'm not talking our tithes. I'm talking people sowed towards this. We've brought in $7,700 in the last six days has come in to completely fund that entire thing. Hallelujah. 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 You know, and that's really what God's been speaking to my heart about these next few years and why I'm so passionate about this, about get moving and how God, there's so much that God wants to do in this nation. And we have a short amount of time to make big impact. Say big impact. And that's why we got to quit dancing around this money thing. I'll get into some of these principles, but... You know, a lot of Christians, they don't want to hear about money. They don't want to talk about money. They don't want to think about money. Most of the time because they have a devil and and they have an attachment to mammon like Jesus spoke of. You can't serve God and mammon. And so because they don't want to address that issue, they don't want the church to. But guys, I'm telling you, the difference between making little impact over a long time and a big impact over a short amount of time is money. Amen. The difference between shaking your city over a 10-year period and shaking a region over a one-year period. You know the difference. It's not just vision. It's not just anointing. It's, it's money. Practically, it's money. Money is the difference between shaking a region in one year and shaking a region in 10 years. Amen. Well, let's just think logically. Well, how is that, Brother John? Well, I mean, can you reach more people with $100,000 than you can reach with $500? Yes, you can. And so, you know, we came from Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, and he's, he's been talking about the 300, like Gideon's 300. And how, if you, if you read that story of Gideon's army, they started out with thousands, and the Lord narrowed it down and said, everybody who's afraid, go home. And a bunch of people went home. And then after that, he said, now, he gave them another test, go to the river, drink from the river, and then depending on how they drank, it was narrowed down to Gideon's 300. And then he used those 300, and they didn't even have to fight, but the Lord gave them the victory. Amen. And so Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, he started talking about how the Lord was speaking to him to raise up 300 multimillionaires in his local church. And then out of those 300 multimillionaires, he was also going to raise up 300 pastors in the United States who would raise up the same vision. 300 evangelists who would carry the same vision. Because it's not just isolated to Tampa or Pittsburgh or Texas. What God, the glory of the Lord shall fill the earth. And I, I'm telling you right now, my wife had a dream. My wife had a dream two, two years ago. Remember how I preached last Wednesday night, you need to know the vine in which you're called? We had a dream. And in this dream, uh, well, I say we, she had the dream. She shared the dream with me. I believe the dream. Amen. But she had this dream a couple of years ago when we were still filling things out. You know, when we were still looking for where do we really belong? What, you know, we're, we're young. Where, what is our niche? What is our thing? What, 
what is the assignment that you've given to us, Lord? And so my wife had this dream, and in this dream she saw this sea of people. And in this sea of people, we had recognized, you know, we had been in revival meetings, so we recognized some of the people, and they were pastors that we had met, evangelists that we had met, but there was a multitude of people that we didn't know. But in the dream, by the Spirit of God, she immediately knew that the sea of people represented the ministers of the world. It represented the leaders of the church, the global church, the leaders of the global church. Many we recognized from the United States, from Dallas to Florida to, you know, northern states to California, different people we've made and uh, we've been put in contact with. But many people she didn't recognize. And in her dream, the leader of all of these people was Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. He was leading them all. And in the dream, there was this flood. This is what she heard. And this is actually crazy. Listen, I'm not trying to get all weird and spacey. Are you with me? But she had this dream, and in this dream, there was this flood that was coming. And a year later, Dr. Rodney did a conference called The Flood. And the flood has to do with exactly what I'm talking to you about right now. But in her, in her dream, the flood that was coming, it wasn't like Noah's ark flood, like it was going to destroy the earth. She said it was, like, exciting. Like, everybody was d- dancing around. Like, like it, there was an event that was coming that was at the magnitude of, like, the second coming of Christ. But it wasn't like the rapture. It was, it was this flood that was coming. And so Dr. Rodney, he would, he would go out in front of the people, and he would begin to walk over here. And the people would come over here, and we would follow. And then he would take the people over here, and the people would follow. And he was in the dream trying to get us in position to get ready for the flood that was coming. And then the dream ended by us standing in a field, And standing there waiting in anticipation because the flood, it was right there at this field. What was amazing was, I think it was just a few months later, this was this this was before they started the stand, which if you've known Dr. Rodney, the stand, you know, basically they turned an acre of their property into a, a like an African crusade field. They put AstroTurf down, they built a giant pavilion. Amen. So she had this dream. And after she had that dream, we knew by the Spirit of God, this is where we're supposed to hook into. Amen. And so listen to me. Whenever I tell you, whenever the, the leader, the man of God says things like, the Lord spoke to me to build up 300 multimillionaires and 300 churches that will be a part of this that will raise up multimillionaires to fund the end time harvest. I believe that we're one of those places. Hallelujah. I believe that we're one of those places. And so it's amazing, but that's what God's doing in these, in these last days. That's why this message is so pivotal. It's because as a body of Christ, we have to come to a point. Guys, where I'm telling you, not everybody's going to get this. Listen, not everyone's going to get this. There will be people that just sit back because of some problem that they have. I don't want to hear it. I don't care. I don't think it's right. I don't understand how Christians are a part of the body of Christ and they still don't think that the church should have money. They have no problem, right, with the world having whatever. But when it comes to the church having money, they have an issue with that, which blows my mind. But there will be people that grab a hold of this. And I feel this so strong in my spirit. 
Exodus 14, 15 through 16. I told you I may preach this all year because this is just like, when I wake up, this is what I think about. When I go to sleep, this is what I think about. When I'm in, in this church broadcasting in the morning, this is what I think about. This is what's in my spirit. The Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And that's what the Lord's put so strong in my spirit that there's people, they're going to learn this principle. They're not going to sit around and wait on God any longer. They're going to take what God's already given in his word. They're going to take the covenant that we've been brought into. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter one, all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. Say all, all of his promises, everything God has to give, he's already given it to us in Christ. And there's Christians that are going to take a hold of that word and they're going to begin to run with the fire of God this year in Jesus name. Not only to, not only to just grow churches, no, with business, Specifically, listen to me. I am talking specifically in the business realm of things. The, the, this separation where you got the church over here. I remember one time we were preaching in um, Brookshire Brothers parking lot. And right here in Huntington. Uh, we were preaching in Brookshire Brothers parking lot. And they kicked us out. And I was so mad, you know. What we did at that time, they kicked us out of Brookshire Brother parking lot. They were like, you can't be doing this. And I was like, I remember I called their, their manager. And I talked to the manager. And I was like, man, we're not out here. We're not like standing here with like a bullhorn, you know, screaming at people. We're literally, really, we know a lot of people. We're just casually kind of walking around like the other 20 or 30 people walking around in the parking lot and having conversations with people. We're not stopping lines. We're not hold, like blocking entrances. We're not doing anything like that. You know, and this was a good old Baptist boy, and he told me, well, you know, let's keep church at church and business at business. And that ticked me off when he said that. Ticked me off. I said, oh, okay, no problem. So what we did was we went right across the street from Brookshire Brothers. And we found every Thursday for a long time, to, make, to prove a point, really. And we found a business that said, hey, we can use your parking lot. Then we called the city and said, hey, is there a sound ordinance? Is there like a certain amount of uh, decimals that you can, you know, where it's too loud? You know what they told us? You can be as loud as you want. There's no sound ordinance as long as you're done before 9 o'clock p.m. He said, really? Okay. So we went right across the street from Brookshire Brothers, the parking lot that they kicked us out of, and we set up huge speakers, we set up our sound equipment, and we stood right there every Thursday night, and we led worship, and we preached the gospel with speakers booming right, right against, blasting into the Brookshire Brothers parking lot. And they were so mad. They would keep calling the police on us all the time. The police would come, and literally, they would. We would be like, "We have permission to be here. Here's the city ordinance." There's like, "Well, there's nothing we can do. I guess they're just gonna have to get over it." Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. We need to get that kind of fight in us. Amen. I mean, it's still crazy to me how. 
We're still fighting over things like prosperity in the body of Christ, but yet you can watch the Grammys and watch a full-on satanic ritual take place on, on national television. Does that not bother you guys? That makes me sick. And it makes me sick not to the point of, well, I just want to sit back and complain about it. I want to I shame the devil. I'm like, listen, if you think that you're going to have a platform, how come the body of Christ doesn't have a bigger platform than you? You have millions of dollars to throw into your little antichrist agenda. The church should have billions of dollars for the gospel. And you watch that, and it's actually crazy too. If you watch the Grammys, they had Christian music that was a part of it. Did you know? And that they literally, they didn't even air the Christian side of things. They, what were you telling me? That they made it happen in between or something? Before, before they went on air, they did all of the Christian stuff. Well, we can't do the Christian awards on air, on national TV. We'll make sure that we do that before we go on air because we don't want to offend people. But then you can do a full-out satanic ritual on public TV. It's ridiculous. Amen. 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 And so with that studio, in six days... We've seen the Lord literally bring $6,700 in six days, fully funded. What'd you say? 67. Yeah, $6,700. 7,000, my bad. $7,700 in six days. Praise God. Come on, praise God. And my point in even talking about that was the Lord put it in my spirit. Guys, I'm telling you right now. A few weeks ago in prayer, who enjoyed the saxophone player we had up here Sunday? Wasn't that great? You know that that wasn't coincidence? If you were here during prayer a few weeks ago, we were, I was walking back and forth. There was a few people in the room at our noon prayer. And I literally, out of my spirit, I, I saw it and I started speaking. I said, I speak it out in faith. I said, right now, I see a worship team fully loaded. And I said, I see horn players. I see saxophone players. I see a horn second, section, trumpets. I see electric guitar. I see bass. I see choir. I see this huge, magnificent worship team. And we just thank God for it. And we said, we call it forth in Jesus' name. And it was like two weeks later, just some random guy we get connected with. Hey, I play the saxophone. Praise God. You know, there's going to come a time, I'm really debating. Sometimes I wonder, can the people, can they handle it? I don't know. Some of you guys are reading something else. Like, I don't, is anybody really engaged in what I'm saying? I don't know. There's mo so much I want to say, but it, guys, I'm telling you, if I could flip it around, can you imagine sometimes praying? To, like, you don't understand. Can you imagine standing up, burying your soul, and then not anybody in this room, but there's times where you're preaching, where you're just like watching people. I'm like the worst, I think I'm the worst pastor sometimes. I want to look at people like that and I literally want to like change your face or we're going to throw you out of this church. I mean, seriously though, we were, we were worshiping the Lord in prayer today and you wouldn't believe how many scriptures talk about how you have to enter into the presence of God with joy. With joy. Say with joy. 
<laughs> there was kings in the old covenant where if you got around them and you had a frowny looking face that you'd get thrown you would get punished for it I think I'll make that a rule as our staff grows. Don't come around here with a frowny, scowly face ever again. Have joy. If you can't have joy, go figure it out and get joy and then come back when you get it. Amen. Hallelujah. But I have a vision. You know, I have a vision in Angelina County. I've been calling it in by faith. There's a, spec a, a specific building that I've had my eye on where every time I drive by that building, I look at it and I say, Lord, thank you. I see it right now. I see a strong church of a thousand in that building. I see a private Christian school in this building that competes with the public education. Not some little like, oh, we meet in a trailer out back. No, I'm talking top line competing with public education, private Christian school, I see a strong Bible college in this building in the state of Texas. We won't just have to ship people off to Florida or to Pittsburgh or wherever to go to Bible college. But, God, you're going to do it in Texas again. Hallelujah. I see, a, I see an outreach center all underneath the same facility. I see headquarters of Revival House Ministries International headquarters. Praise God. I see that. And I'm telling you that it's, it's God's raising up people. God's raising up people in the realm of business that are going to step into the high call of God. Because the, you don't understand the time that we have. I mean, we have a window. Everything that I feel in my spirit is to go quickly. Go quickly. Get moving. Go quickly. Yes, why? Why go quickly? I don't know if there's a window that's over the United States of America. If there's a window because Jesus Christ is coming back very soon. But I can tell you this. It's not time to wait any longer. God has put vision inside of your heart. God's put things inside of you. And you cannot let this year go by and say, well, you know what? I'll also tell you this. If God puts something in your spirit, why does it take people so long to act on it? How many times do you meet somebody that God put like a business idea and a year has gone by and they're still talking about the same idea? The Lord showed me some of these principles that I'll, I'll discuss with you in a moment. But, you know, two weeks ago, when it came to thinking about building a sound, like a broadcasting studio, in my mind, thank God I never spoke it out of my mouth, in my mind, I thought that would be like a year down the line. And the second that I just simply stepped out in faith, I saw, I literally saw in six days, the Lord just supernaturally, here's the money, do the whole thing. Guys, and you wouldn't believe people are responding to this. We had one give $3,500, one person $1,000. Revival House Church intern gave $1,500. We've had people, we had a guy today that doesn't even go to this church that we've connected with. He's been watching the broadcasts from another, another city. He's from Dallas, I believe. He sold a, over $1,000 today for the broadcast studio. I got a letter in from a woman that lives out of town that said, Pastor John, 
God is working in our lives. Thank you so much for being, being obedient to Jesus. We've connected with her through the broadcast. Since listening, since plugging into the ministry, my husband went back to work, and now he's got a promotion where he's been promoted as of 2023 to a supervisor position, and she sold $100. She said, here's $100 for the broadcast studio. People are grabbing a hold of this, and I just pray that that you in this room will grab a hold of these things and that if, if you haven't been shaking, something would shake you out of lethargy and to get moving. Get moving. Say, get moving. Get moving. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Acting on God's word. Say, no more waiting. No more waiting. Get moving. I believe I'm talking to the right group of people where I don't need to keep hitting this over and over again. But I will just read this verse, and I, and I want you to let this seek in. In 2 Corinthians 1, I don't know, man, if this is a seasonal verse for me, if this is a life verse. Kenneth E. Hagin had Mark 11, 22-24, and this verse just burns in me. And it's 2 Corinthians chapter 1. As surely as God is faithful... Our word does not waver between yes and no. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no. He is the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you as God's ultimate yes. Say he doesn't waver. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with the resounding yes. And through Christ our amen. Which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. I begin to see that the Lord, listen, the thing that holds us back from being able to move forward quickly is never God. I saw that the minute that I stepped out of faith in a small thing, that's a small thing in, in relatively six, seven thousand, almost eight thousand dollars in six days. That's a small thing. To some people, that's a big thing. To me, I'm thinking multi, multi million dollar operation, what needs to be done. That's a small thing, but what I saw is when you step out in faith, the Lord. He's not putting some limit on how fast and how far you can go. The Lord says, I'll move as far and as fast as your faith is willing to take you. If you can believe it, you can go where your faith will allow you to go. Amen. Say that. Say, I can go where my faith says I can go. I can go where my faith says I can go. Say this. Say, I can have what my faith says I can have. People get so upset. Well, that just seems sacrilegious. It's, it's absolutely not. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Whatsoever. Host those past. You can have whatever you want. You can have as much of whatever you want. God, there's no, listen, all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. Say they have been. That's what... When I got a hold of this, it just took the, the ceiling off from me. When I realized I'm not waiting on God to give me any prosperity. Did you know that? God has given you all prosperity. Now, it's our job to figure out the path to possess it. Are you with me? 
There's, a, there's practical things that we have to do to tap into that, but God's already given it to us, all of it. God's already given us all things in Christ. Everything that God has to give, he's already given it to us in Christ. Say, I don't lack anything. Say, I already have everything. So if you realize that you already have everything, then you'll start coming with what I'm saying. Why are you crying out to me? Why are you waiting? So number one, God's put vision inside of some of your hearts. Why are you waiting? Probably because of doubt and unbelief. Probably because of insecurity. You think, well, I can't go there. Or maybe because it's of lack of vision. Maybe you don't have anything in your heart. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Pick up your staff. Raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. This word is the staff. You can point this word. In any direction, you can point this word in the direction of prosperity and you don't have to wait for for prosperity. You can begin to act on the word and possess prosperity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then one more observation and we'll get moving a little further. Many of you know this, I'm sure. But I agree with Kennedy Hagin's approach. They said, don't you teach anything other than faith? He said, yeah, sure I can, but I'll, I'll move on to the other things once you get faith. Amen. Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 25, this is the parable of the three servants. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. You know the story. He calls three servants together. This man is a metaphor of Jesus. He calls three servants together and he gives them all three talents, different sets. He gives one, five talents, one, two talents, one, one talent. And then he retreats. He goes to a distant place. And then it says that he returns and he calls the servants into account of what they did with the talents that he gave. And I've never heard this preach. I've never seen, I've never had anyone tell me this. And the Lord showed me this about halfway through 2022. Obviously, this is a shadow of Christ. Amen. Christ is, Christ is the master. He was resurrected from the dead. He ascended into heaven. It says he gave gifts unto men. And then he goes and he sits at the right hand of God and he's coming back again. And when he comes back again, it says that we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we'll give an account for the good things that we've done in this life, whether good or bad. We'll receive a reward accordingly. You see how this is Christ. And the Lord showed me, he said, look, I gave talents to one. I gave talents to another. I gave talents to the third. And he showed me with with all of the servants, he said, at what point did the master come back early from the distant place and tell the one with five that had multiplied five more and now had ten and said, hey, your ceiling is ten. You have to stop at ten. At what point did the master come back to the one that had two and and the one that had multiplied it two times over now he had four and said, hey, you can only have four. You must stop at four. He didn't. He actually stood back and said, listen, and the Lord showed me this. The servants had the ability to multiply as much or as little as they wanted. That servant with five talents, he could have multiplied it 10 times, 20 times, 30 times, 100 times over. God has given us this word and it's The outcome of our life, I want you to say this. Say, the outcome of my life 
will be determined by me and what I do with what he's given me, not by God's sovereign will. The outcome of my life will be determined by me and what I do with what he gave me, not by God's sovereign will. Are you with me? Let me look up a verse. In a wealthy home, 2 Timothy 2. Did you say 2 or 3? 220. 2 Timothy 2. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions. Say special occasions. The cheap ones are for everyday use. You got fine china, and you got paper plates. Amen. Special use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and the ma- you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. So what does that show you? Just that alone. How you're used by God, the magnitude that you're used by God, the magnitude of what you're able to accomplish, the difference between being an instrument of special use and being a common person is not determined by the will of God. He said, if you keep yourself pure by your decision, you can be used greatly by God. So you understand this. I can multiply as much as I want. I can go as far as I want, as fast as I want. When the Lord showed me this, it it just broke the lid off, and I realized I'm not waiting. I mean, it put such a fire in me. It's what made me write one book. It made me write another book that's being published. It made, I'm just telling you, for me, it lit this fire, and I said, look, Lord, who says I have to wait till I'm 30? Who says I have to wait till I'm 40? I can take ground, and if my faith will allow me, you'll, you'll, All of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. He doesn't change his mind. Christ is God's ultimate yes. If my faith will allow me, if my faith will say yes, you will never say no. Do you understand that? If your faith will say yes, God is never saying no. God is never trying to hold you back saying slow down. You hear religion tell you stupid things like that. Well, the Lord had to sit you down because he knew if you grow too fast and you move too fast that, you know, it could hurt you. It could be detrimental. No, get the fire of the Holy Ghost and get to work and work hard and work fast. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I really, truly believe it's God's will. And I will will challenge anybody to a public debate. I doubt that'll happen, but I'm confident of this. It is God's will for every believer to be at the multi-million dollar level. Every believer. Say every believer. This is what I want to shake people and get. It's God's will. You've got to stop just surviving like an animal. You've got to. If you're in the place where you're just simply paying your bills, 
to get by. That's okay that you're there right now, but you've got to settle in it that this is what belongs to me. And actually, this is where God desires to take me. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 28, I'll make you the head and not the tail above and not beneath. You will give to many nations, but you'll never need to borrow from them. Did you know that that's actually a part of the Abrahamic covenant? You say, well, that's in Deuteronomy. That wasn't to Abraham. The Lord said, I make this covenant with you to honor, to remember the covenant that I made with your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Think about that. Lend to many nations. If you even think about this logically, in order to never need to borrow, what does that tell you? Number one, you have to have at least enough income where you don't need anything from anybody. Number one. And then number two, in order to lend to many nations. Say nations. He didn't say you would lend to many people. He said you would lend to many nations. Do nations borrow hundreds of thousands of dollars? No, they don't. Do you ever hear that the United States went and got a, a, a loan from China for 200 grand? Is that what you read about? What do you read about? Billions. Trillions of dollars. Nations operate at the million, billion, trillion dollar level. And you think, well, John, that just seems really far-fetched. Not when you read Abraham's life. Did you know that when Solomon gave the gold for the, for the temple to be built, it says that he supplied the gold from his, old, his own treasury, that they've looked at the amount of gold and what it would be in today's market. It was between 2 and $4 billion in gold. That he gave from what? From the kings, from the churches, from, no, from his own treasury. He personally gave 2 to $4 billion. The blessing of the Lord makes a man rich and adds no sorrow to it. I believe every Christian should operate at the multi-million dollar level. Well, how can you say that? Because you have the blessing of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 1, you've received every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms because you're united with Christ Jesus. Say, I have every blessing there is to have. Say, I have a covenant that gives me all things that God has to offer. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. You know, and I really believe, I was going to make this statement, I believe the difference between a Christian that goes to the multi-million dollar level and begins to operate in this, and I'll get, you know, this isn't just one thing I can crank out three points in one message to you. This is vision that I want to shake you in your core that it's got to change the way that you think. Guys, we grew up, most of us grew up in public education, which trained us to be slaves to a system. It trained us literally. You know, I've heard this quote, and I'll probably come back to it. Traditional education will make you a living. Self-education will make you a fortune. And that's all we're trained is to go into traditional education. What, to go get a nine-to-five job? and to pay our bills, and to be a slave to a system. But Abrahamic people don't think like that. Jewish people today don't think like that. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I want to get into this. 
The Lord's put it in my spirit. Take ground. Get the people to get moving. Take ground. In America, what do we need to do? We need to take ground. We don't need to sit back and complain about the culture, complain about the public education system, complain about just everything that we see on TV. We've got to begin to compete. Are you with me? We've got to compete. I know multi, multi-millionaires right now in Tampa, Florida that are being raised up that have businesses evaluated at $80 million, $100 million. And if you listen to them, they're winning souls, they're funding crusades, they're funding the end-time harvest, and they say, we're not stopping with just this little business. We're going to compete with Zuckerberg. We're going to compete with Bill Gates. We're going to compete with Bezos. We're going, if they can do this, what can we do with the anointing and with the mind of Christ? If a carnal man can operate something at a million, billion dollar level, what can we do with the blessing of the Lord? What can we do with the anointing of the Holy Ghost? What can you do with the mind of Christ? What can you do with God who made Christ to be wisdom itself for our benefit? We have access to all wisdom, all knowledge, all understanding. We have the fire of God that we don't, you know, we don't have to work for three days and burn out. We have the fire of God that renews our strength where we can run and not grow weary and walk and not grow faint. We can accomplish. Even think about the Sabbath day. Guys, there's an acceleration on your work. I'm telling you, you know what the problem with most people are? They're lazy. Lazy. They're lazy. And they think like slave people. They think like Hebrew Egyptian slaves. Even the Sabbath day was instituted by God. Not not because, man, well, you've just been beat up and chewed out. Now you're so tired, you need to take a day. You know that God, he rested on the seventh day. Was it because he was tired? The Lord said, I don't grow weary. He's not a man. He doesn't grow weary. You know why he rested on the seventh day? He was finished. He didn't rest because he was wore out. He rest because it took him six days to do seven days worth of work. And then that's what he instituted for us. Oh, well, you know, how many of you know in America we work five? God gave six days for working one day for rest. And most Christians run around like if they don't get four-day weekend every single week, they just can't function. Six days to work, one day to rest, and when you get to the end of that six days, you don't rest because you're just so beat up. You rest because you're done. Amen. You set a goal. This is what I need to get done this week, and you did it in six days instead of seven days. Hallelujah. I saw the Lord give us the money in six days. It didn't even take seven days. It came through abundant, super abundantly. The goal was 75. Somebody Literally, I, I said on the broadcast, all we need is $800 more. And some random person that doesn't even go to our church, here, I'll, I'll do you one better. I'll sow a $1,000 seed. Abundantly. More than enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say, get moving. You know, I'll also go be so bold to say this in this church. Are you guys ready for this? I believe that every single believer, if you stick around in this church, you're going to be constantly pushed 
You should have another stream of income more than a nine-to-five job. A nine-to-five job is great. I'm not telling you to quit a nine-to-five job. But you need to begin to change the way that you think about your nine-to-five job. Your nine-to-five job, you need to stop thinking, pay my bills. And you need to think, I'm going to do this to make, to make a living, right? But it, while I invest in another thing on the side. Are you with me? I believe that for every person. The reason I'm telling you that is because nobody can go to the level that God's called you at at, at a nine-to-five job. And and something's got to shake. If that doesn't matter to you, then I'm telling you, it's got to shake inside of you. If that's your highest goal is to just get to the end of the month with your bills paid and to have the weekend off, man, you've got it. Listen, I'm not even going to just rebuke you yet, but you've 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 got to grab a hold of this. Are you with me? Every single person, I believe that, should have start something on the side. Do what you need to do to pay the bills until what you've started on the side can pay the bills for you. Amen. I mean, it's true. You'll actually never prosper working for someone else. Thank you, Jesus. I guess the reason I'm pausing, I'm just trying to fill out the room. Like, Lord, are they ready for this yet? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't want to preach this and then everyone just go back to their normal thing and then. And I'll tell you the God honest truth as well. You know, this year, there's three scenarios of what can happen in your life. Number one, you could get to 2024. And one of these three scenarios, number one, you could say my life went backwards this year. Not only did I not get, man, I lost money. I got demoted. I lost my job. I lost, and my life went backwards. You could get to 2024 and say, nothing's changed. I've stayed exactly where I'm at. Same income, same business, same level. I've never changed levels this year. I stayed right here. Or number three, you could get to the end of 2024 and stand up here and give a testament of how God doubled you, how God tripled you, how you saw nothing but increase, glory to glory, changing levels, promotion. Study this word continually. Meditate it on it day and night so that you're sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you be successful and prosper in everything that you do. The difference between those three scenarios is a decision that you make right now. Listen, right now. Right now. Right now. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I think that part of the problem is just getting people to see the need. I think that that's like the basis, the base limit. There's a few, but really getting the church to understand why we must have multi-multi-millionaires risen up in the body of Christ. That's the foundational thing. As I'm sitting here thinking out loud, that's the foundation. Like none of this other stuff. I have notes, notes that I've been trying to preach, honestly, for weeks that I haven't even been able to get to because I just feel like people still don't get that. That right there. Why do we need multi-millionaires in the body of Christ? Because once you understand why we need it, 
I can give you what I believe, what we're doing, why you're going to see over the next three years, God exponentially increase everything out of this place. Everything out of this place over the next three years. There's a wind from God. There's a window of opportunity in the next three years. The Lord's given the word, and we're running on the word. The Lord told me the same way that you did that, the same way that you obeyed me, even when it didn't make financial sense, everything that I tell you to do will come the same way. It's going to come to vans. It'll come the same way. There's coming a time where we're going to, uh, we're going to initiate full Operation 1423 running several van routes to the highways, the byways, the country lanes, the distant places, the crippled, the lame, to compel them to come in. And there'll come a time we need a van. Guys, listen, it's coming to such a point. There's such a fast work that needs to be done. Move quickly. Move quickly. The great evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth said that the Lord spoke to him that this was a pivotal year for the United States of America. He said, either A, this year the church comes in and takes the land, or the Antichrist system will. He said that you'll see it this year. Either the church possesses the land, or we miss an opportunity in this Antichrist system they've been pushing in our faces that have failed every single time comes in and takes ground this year. We're not here trying to build a Sunday morning experience for people. Do you understand? We're raising, we are flooding the nations of the earth. We're flooding the system of the world with the gospel. You know, the Lord spoke to me two years ago, and he said, I was out praying, This was in 2020 when the Lord actually told me this. And you can go back. This is on record. We have a church podcast. Scroll all the way back and you'll see the kingdom era. Who remembers me talking about the kingdom era? The Lord spoke to me and said, I was out praying by my pond one day. And the Lord said that that we have entered into what will be known as the kingdom era. And the reason that the Lord told me that, he said, because an era is basically a period of time that's marked by certain distinctive qualities. You look back through the Elizabeth Beeth and whatever, you know what I'm talking about? Like there's a specific time period that you saw these specific things that, that in history books of Christ tarries, in church history books of Christ tarries, they'll look back a hundred years from now and say that that's the time. That's when we saw this, this revival, this move of God take place on the earth. And he said, the kingdom era. And I thought, the kingdom era, what is that, Lord? That sounds strange. That sounds weird to me. I'm not going to lie, Lord. What is that? And the Holy Ghost had me go into the scripture and begin to study the kingdom. Everywhere that this, the gospels talks about the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of God is like. Jesus taught The kingdom is like, he said, a mustard seed. He said it starts out as the smallest seed, but it becomes the largest plant in the entire garden. And that's something that the Lord told me in 2020. He said that that's what you'll see in the kingdom era. The smallest will become the largest. There's a separation, the wheat from the tares, the wheat, uh, the, the goats from the sheep. And he said that those who are faithful right now, those that are being faithful 
When Nebuchadnezzar erects a golden statue, you're going to have some stand and you're going to have some bow. And there's going to be many that bow and they go on about their holly jolly way. But they're going to see in a coming time that the anointing and the glory of God has lifted off of them. And listen, guys, I'm not up here trying to judge anyone. I'm just telling you what the Lord told me. He said there will be a a difference. I've heard people say every ministry that stood during 2020, I mean, they're exploding right now. And I know in Jesus' name, man, I mean, everything that God's doing. Wasn't it crazy to see Sunday morning, 14, 13 or 14? 13 new people in this service, and like 12 of them were from the outreach from the night before. I mean, just getting touched, getting transformed. I mean, you can see these people getting I love that. Oh my, I'm telling you, I can operate in the anointing at a, in a different way when I get around Hungry people that don't think they know it all. People that are broken, people that are hungry, they don't look up and see a 27-year-old kid and sit there and scoff and sit there and reject and not want to listen. I know, I know how it is. I'm, I'm telling you, the anointing will operate at the level that the people put a demand on it. You guys think that it's like a circus show. I'm telling you, it's like literally... You, there's times you get in certain groups. I remember I got invited to preach somewhere one time that had no respect for the Holy Ghost at all. And I got up there like a man on fire, and I felt like the wicked witch from Wizard of Oz. Someone threw a bucket on me. A firebender getting ready to go, and it's like nothing comes out. What in the heck is going on? It's true. It's true. That's why I'm so... That's why I constantly have meetings. That's why I constantly, I mean, one of the many reasons is because I don't ever want this church to grow cold to revival. I don't ever want this church to become a little Christian country club of know-it-alls and members of high society that don't think they need the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Every service is a revival breakthrough service. Amen. I don't know if you came. Obviously, many people don't think that. Why? Because they're not here tonight. They haven't made that shift in their mind. Because listen, if you think something's going to be a revival breakthrough service, there's breakthrough happening tonight. Guess what? You'll be there. Amen. Amen. Are you with me? There's a reason that we fly on a plane and go to Tampa, Florida and do all this crazy stuff to get there. Because I know, I'm, man, I'm getting some breakthrough when I get there. I'm changing levels every time I go. I'm going with the seed. Amen. I'm going to give my best. I'm going to give the best of my heart, my attention, my money, my everything. And when I come home, I'm, I'm, I'm at a different level. But people got to realize that, you know, this kingdom era... He said, the smallest shall become the largest. That's what you'll see take place. You know, the Lord gave me a word about Saul and David. There's people that God genuinely anointed. But in pride, they began to disobey God, just like Saul. 
Saul was anointed by God, was he not? He was a king anointed by the prophet as the king of Israel. He had great victories. He won battles. He saw the Lord do great things through him. But at one point, he was given instructions by God, and he disobeyed those instructions. Why did he disobey those instructions? I don't know. Maybe he thought he got too big. Hello? Maybe we're too big. Maybe we got enough money. Maybe we have a, a system. Now we have a machine, and that's great. Create awesome systems. It's smart. It's wise to do things. But he got to a point where he began to disobey God, and the Lord rejected him, and he said, I've chosen someone better than you now, and whom is a man after my own heart, and he anointed and appointed David as the king of Israel. So the kingdom's like a mustard seed. The smallest shall become the largest. Guys, that's not just a word for the church. That's a word for the Christian. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, you're going to see multi, multi-million dollar corporations rising up in the next few years that will be owned by. You're going to see people coming up in Forbes. You've never heard their name. You've never seen their face. And it just comes up so quick. And, and, and everything's changing over because they were Holy Ghost, tongue-talking, fire-filled men and women of God that are operating in high levels of society by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Guys, you, you understand, the smallest shall become the largest. You know, who's ever heard the scripture that the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous? Where does that happen? In heaven? There's no wealth for the wicked stored up in heaven. There is a transfer. There is a wealth transfer that takes place. And I'm telling you, one day I was talking to Miss Kim, and I, I genuinely don't even remember the conversation. You were telling me how you were cleaning windows for a person in Nacogdoches, and this business, you went to the business that you offered to clean their windows. They asked you for your price. You told them, and he at first was like, no, 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 I can't do that. And you, you told him, right, go make some calls or go look around or whatever. Find somebody else. And he came back to you. Even though, you know, he paid the price that, that you had set because, and the Lord just spoke to me. He said, because she's great at what she does. And it was like this moment, light bulb, the Holy Ghost just used that small example and said, that's how the wealth transfer happens. You think that. God's just going to start dropping stimulus checks in Christians' mailboxes? That's how the wealth of the wicked is transferred to the righteous? No. No. Christians begin to rise up in every area of society. Oh, you own a software company? Wow, gee, me too. I own a software company. And because of the anointing of the Holy Ghost, my software company is better than your software company. And so now more people buy from me and more suppliers come to me because my product is actually better and the wealth of the wicked will be transferred over to the righteous man and the righteous woman of God. Thank you for like one half amen in the room. Hallelujah. There is an anointing. Did you know this? That there is an anointing for the workplace. You know, I have this written down in my notes, and it's true, but Jesus said, Go and make disciples of nations. Say, nations. 
Guys, Christians aren't to exist in nations. Christians are to take nations for the gospel. And every era of Christian has understood that. America is what it is because of Christians that understood. We're not called to just simply scrape by in a demon-possessed nation and generation. We are called to take, take land for God. Take nations for God. You guys, I'm talking about God's raising up. I'm telling you right now, God is raising up places with a blueprint to shake entire cities. I mean, I'm talking like a proven, tested formula. This is how we can go city to city and, and, and start a work and do this specific thing. And in this amount of time, one year, two years, three years, we can shake that whole region and bring revival to that place. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. Where you can flip and watch poverty. Man, I'm telling you, you know, Bishop David Oedepo built his church in a country that had no middle class. You were either completely dirt poor in Africa or you were rich because there are many rich people in Africa. Everybody thinks that everyone in Africa is poor. If you actually go over to Nigeria, the Nigerians are rich. They have a lot of money. You go over there and start and talk about how, what about all the poor people in Africa? They'll slap you and then show you their bank account and make you cry. <laughs> but Bishop Oedepo built the largest church in, in a third world country because of his ministry. Did you know that he actually created a middle class in his nation? Because of his ministry so big, it employs so many people that it actually changed the whole culture and it created a middle class. Wow. Where there didn't, it, that, what is that? That's taking a nation. That's, take, that's like God birthing something in East Texas that drives this little poverty devil out of this place. Where now Huntington won't be known for just the trailer parks and the people that don't care. And, you know, I hear that stuff all the time. The, the, the gospel, that's what revival, revival brings innovation in every area. If you look through history, the greatest inventions, like the turn of the century where, where the combine came out and different things, it all came from a revival. People that got anointed by the Holy Ghost and then went into the workplace with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Medicine developed, uh, innovations, machines, technologies. You guys think that we're going to shake a city just by having church services. We're not. We're not. Maybe God did that in the past, but I'm here to tell you right now, if you'll listen to me, that's not how God's doing this. It's not. If you ever come to prayer, we love to play this song. I see a fresh wind. I see a fresh wind. A fresh fire, fresh wave, fresh wind. There's a wave. There's a wave. There's a move. You know, maybe that's how God did it in the 50s. And, God, you know, he just set up a tent. People come and they get saved. You know, and there's people that they think that that's what God's doing now. And they'll totally miss what he's doing. 
Because they rode the wave, they rode the Kenneth E. Hagen wave in the word of faith or whatever, and, and they don't understand that, that the latter rain is more glorious than the former. He never does it the same way. He never does it the same way. And that's why, you know, even when word of faith came, there was people that couldn't get in. Why? Because they were stuck in like the voice of healing. They were stuck in, you know, what God had done in the past. And then when that came, there was people that were stuck in what God had done in Azuzu Street and, you know, the birth of all of this stuff. You know, the way that I'm telling you practically, you know how we could shake, can you imagine if we had, what could we do if we had 10 multi-multi-millionaires raised up in this church that were dead. I'm not saying, oh, well, they give their tithe. No, I'm talking like dedicated that understand their kingdom assignment to funnel millions and millions of dollars into the end time harvest. You guys think that I'm just talking about everybody else doing this. I wrote those books. I, I originally thought that the Lord was going to give me these books as a way to open up extra income for me and my family. And the Lord automatically spoke to me and said, from now on, every book that you ever write, it goes straight to the, every dime goes straight to the church, straight to the ministry. And I'm like, why? And the Lord said, because I'm, I'm doing that. Out of even the church, I'm going to give the church innovative ideas of how to create for-profit things in a non-profit organization. Creating systems and things that come up out of the church that can actually go on to produce. I don't, you know, th there's books. Joel Olstein, everybody hates on Pastor Joel Olstein. He doesn't even take a salary from his church. He hasn't in years. Well, how's he a multimillionaire? I don't know. He wrote 25 books that are New York Times bestsellers. Are you with me? Doesn't even take a salary. People, I don't, you know, whether you like them or whether you don't, I don't watch Pastor Joel Osteen. But people just want to complain. Why can't you do that? Why are, why are Christians acting like losers that they can't do anything for themselves? Why don't, he wrote a book. Why don't you write a book? Don't you know anything? Yes, every one of you knows something. You know, this is just, am I being too practical tonight? There is a market for everything that every person in this room knows. There are thousands of people. There's 8 billion people on the planet now. And there's millions and millions of people that would actually pay you to learn something that you know that's unique. I'm just giving you one example. We got in this social media program. I don't, I'm not even sure how old this guy is. This evangelist. We have to pay $100 a month to be in this social media mentorship program, right? Or you, he gave us two options. You can pay $1,500, and you're like, well, that just seems... Guys, I'm going to tell you, anything that's worth something will cost you something. Don't give it... Look, you, you, the value of something is determined by the amount that a person's willing to pay for it. Stop being a Christian... Just because someone else is a Christian, you think they need to give you freebies all the time. We hired Brother James, and I was so thankful. The conversation never even happened. We've crossed that line. James, will you do this work for us for free? He's a believer. Why should he do it for free? We should bless him. 
We, you, like, we should be the ones that will be willing to pay more than what somebody of the world is willing to pay. And he probably would have done it for free. But I said, make a bid, and we're going to pay you. Amen. Here's a check. Do it as, as cost-effective as you can and keep the rest. Praise God. If you find a way to spend $500, keep the other 5000 for yourself and be blessed in Jesus' name. We don't think like that. No, you're a Christian. You should do it. You know, you should be helping me out. We should be. Should be. No, we should be blessing one another. Amen. Are you with me? Yes. Say more. I should pay more because you're a Christian. Well, there's a Christian coffee shop. You know, they should give free coffee out to everybody. No, I should go to that coffee shop. Oh, you're a Holy Ghost filled believer competing with other secular places. I'll give you $20 for this cup of coffee instead of five. But that, listen, it's just money. You guys understand, like, money is so useless anyways. The dollar bill has no value. What, what is actually more valuable about a $1 bill than a $100 bill? Is that $100 bill made out of different material than the $1 bill? It's the stupid number that's written on the front that we've assigned value to. It's not even backed by real money anymore. And in fact, everything, as I showed you a few Sundays ago with that Amazon Everything's moving away from even the dollar to literally, it's all digital. It's literally going to be nothing but numbers on a screen that you're playing Monopoly with. Who's going to get wisdom from God and learn how to maximize and, and play the best game? Are you with me? The anointed. The anointed. I know, well, you're not supposed to talk like this in church. Well, listen, we're going to raise up people out of this church that are going to help us take cities for Jesus. Amen. Say, take cities. take cities. Take cities for Jesus. Amen. Guys, think about this on a, on a practical level. I'll give you an example, and, and then I'll let you go. I wrote this down. I never got to this point, but I said, as much as people want to deny it, money solves all things. That's not me. That's Ecclesiastes 10, 19. The, the Bible says Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, according to the scripture, other than Jesus, who he said, one's among you who's even more wise than Solomon. But Solomon received supernatural wisdom from the Holy Ghost this is what he wrote. The officials make a feast for enjoyment instead of repairing what is broken and serve wine to make life merry. And money is the answer to everything. Amen. Money's the answer to everything. Obviously, you can't buy your salvation with money. Obviously, you can't buy your healing with money. You can't buy the anointing. But in context, in a practical system of life, money solves all things. Are you with me? I'll give you an example. Think about the outreach that we're doing. Think of how we're raising up teams and the DNA of this church, this is what we do, right? This is our heartbeat. We win souls. We go out every month. We do an outreach. We win souls. We go every other Saturday, homeless shelter. We preach the gospel. We don't just preach a, a weak, dead message. We preach with the fire of God. We touch people's hearts. We compel them to come to Christ. 
We have an intern. Right now we have one intern that we pay. Literally, we pay him. Number one thing he does is go win souls. Now, last, last month we got 100 souls. This, this last week, we've broken it up. We've decided we will never go under 100 souls again. So we need at least 25 souls a week. He already got 25 souls. Possibly more. Do we know the official count? 25 even. We have 25 souls. Decisions for Christ so far in the month of February. Praise God. It's barely the 8th and we have 25. Is it the 8th? The 8th. We have 25 souls. Okay, let's just think about this. Imagine if we had three to five, just three to five, multi-millionaires that understood not just tithe, but I'm talking like, here's a radical thought, guys. This is what Dr. Rodney says, that he's raising up people that will live off of the tithe and give the Lord 90. Can you imagine that? Because you really got to think about that. Think, think if, you, if you made... million a year. You could live a pretty good life off of $2 million a year. You know what I mean? It's like, what could you you enjoy in life with $2 million? And if you lived off of $2 million and gave $18 million to the gospel, I mean, that would be the 90 to the 10%. Can you imagine, though, if even at this ministry... What if, this is an amazing thing too, guys. I'm talking taking ground. Last year, our ministry, though, for the entire year, we brought in under a quarter, we brought in $210,000 for 2020, um, no, no, 2020, yeah, 2021, that's right, because it's 2023. We brought in 200 and about $10,000. We did our reports. We're working on all of that right now, finalizing everything. Um, Let me see here. Do you have that? We have so many text messages that uh, this year for 2022, we we brought in $316,000. It's pretty amazing because last year I remember having in our annual board meeting, I said, I'm believing God. Man, we were like 15 away from a quarter of a million dollars. And I said, I'm believing God that next year we'll, we'll, we'll surpass. I thought that was like, I was like, listen, in two years to go from negative $800 to almost a quarter of a million, that was a big hallelujah. Wow. Faith works. The word of God works. You know, being a tither works. Being a giver works. Obeying God's word is true. I've seen it in my 20s that God's not a liar. (laughs) I've seen that if you'll obey the Holy Ghost, that he will always make true his word. I've seen that. And so I thought, man, next year, if we can cross that quarter of a million, we didn't only cross it. We almost crossed it by $100,000. Which is something that's amazing, too. We're getting all these figures, but lot, so we tithe. Just all, every month we give to multiple different ministries where, without even thinking about it, we have money that just automatically drafts out of our church account where we tithe 10% of everything that comes in minimal. But on top of that tithe, guys, I'm telling you, we give probably, probably close to 18 to 20% of the income that comes into this ministry. So just... We're going to get the figure settled, but approximately we've given, I'll say safe, we'll go on the low end. We gave between forty and $50,000 away out of this church last year 
to other ministries. Praise God. Say money answers all things. Imagine if we had three people raise up and then they said, you know what, we're going to sow, I mean, at the million, two million, three million dollar level. Imagine what, with, with our vision, what we could do right now. Instead of an outreach where we're spending $2,000, that's about what we spend on that one outreach to go buy food boxes, give giveaways, do the stuff we need to do. We spend a couple thousand dollars. Imagine if we, imagine if we had a $100,000 a month outreach budget. Here's a hundred grand, and I don't want you to do anything with it other than win souls. Imagine instead of one intern that's paid full time, what if we had 15? What if we had 20? What if we built an army and did Operation 1423 instead of having two people go hit a neighborhood Sunday morning? What if we had a fleet of buses that ran out every neighborhood, knocking on doors, preaching the gospel, and begin to fill up the house of God by the hundreds and by the thousands? You, the, you know the difference between this and that? All it is is money. All it is. It's literally just dollars. It's literally just buying buses. It's literally just employing people. It's literally just creating a space for all of this. That, it, that's all that it is. And that's where God's taking us. But I hope that you're beginning to understand. That's how you take cities. You know, the LGBTQ plus XYZ, onomatopoeia, whatever community wants to come into Lufkin and put on a, a parade in downtown. I didn't even think about it. I wish I would have. But you know what the church should do? Oh, you want to throw a parade downtown? Okay. Why don't we pick a different location? Or what, you know what? You want to throw a parade? How about we'll just stick it to the devil and we'll throw a parade that's five to ten times the side, size of yours for the gospel. Amen. 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 Are you guys with me? Oh, we're going to get a hundred grand together and give away food boxes and gather thousands of people in downtown Lufkin. And I mean, we're not going to just give them a little patty cake. We're going to preach the gospel and watch people get radically saved, transformed, set free, filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Lord, bless them for being hearers of the word in Jesus' name. If you would like to sow a seed or partner with this work that the Lord is doing, check out the description of this podcast or go to www.rhctx.com forward slash give. You can find all the ways to give on that page. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Until next time, this is John Wallace.